Welcome to this week's episode of Compound Your Knowledge. This is a special first ever quarantine edition of the show where Jack and I are going to be coming in at you from our uh, remote home offices or whatever you want to call this. Uh, Let's start with the issue or whatever we want to call it of fixed income ETFs versus fixed income mutual funds. There's been a lot of talk of that in the markets. Jack, you did some research on it. What are you seeing as occurring? Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show it here on my screen is, and I don't think it's an issue one's right, one's wrong. It's just there's discussion about what does it mean? And so what I pulled up here was this is a mutual fund. The ticker is VWALX. It's the Vanguard tax exempt admiral shares. High, so it's high yield municipal bond mutual fund, right? So that is our blue line here. And so mutual funds is one way in which you can invest if you wanted to invest in high yield munis. An alternative method doing very similar strategies would be if you invested in ETFs, doing the exact same thing, right? And so I pulled up two ETFs that are out there in the marketplace that attempt to invest in high municipal bonds. Again, the Vanguard and these other two are going to be slightly different, but they're generally investing in the same asset class. So it's like similar to S&P and Russell 1000, right? And so that's HYD. This is the VanAct High Yield Municipal Bond ETF. And then we have HYMB. This is the State Street Nuveen Bloomberg Barclays High Municipal Bond. ETF. And what was interesting, and there was a lot of chatter on Twitter as well as uh, people on Bloomberg and ETF, pretty much everywhere was noticing what happened last week. And I just want to pick one example, which is in high immunities. And what they found was if we go back to last week on the 18th, we would see at the end of the close on the 18th, the mutual fund was down for the year. If you look here, index total return 4%. Alternatively, if you were a ETF investor doing a similar strategy, what would your return year to date have been? And if we go here, we see for the HYMB, it would have been negative 18%. So from negative four to negative 18, that's a 14% spread. Alternatively, HYD was down 33%, right? That's almost a 30% spread. And so a natural question becomes, well, hey, what's the real price? Let's just assume for a moment that the mutual fund and ETFs are doing similar investment strategies, which they are. One of these has got to be wrong, right? One's down 33%, one's down 4%, right? And so this gets back to, well, how do ETFs price when you buy and sell them in the market versus mutual funds? Um, And, you know, one thing that's interesting to note is, if you went out on the 18th and you're like, hey, I want to buy a million dollars of HYD, what does that mean? Well, what that means is the eight authorized participant has to, and they, let's pretend they don't have any inventory of HYD, they just sold it to you. They don't have to go and go out and find a million dollars of high yield muni bonds because at some point in the future, they're going to have to deliver these bonds to the ETF in exchange for new shares, right? The bonds that are in the basket or equivalent combinations of bonds. 
And so what you see is in general, you know, the ETF, the market makers out there have to price real time what these ETFs are worth. Whereas with a mutual fund, right, if you happen to sell or you happen to buy, um, you know, the portfolio manager may buy the bonds over the next month or two, right? And so you get this huge dislocation. And Ryan, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, I mean, the, uh, the, the, the difference in the spread is, and what you're getting at, the, the ETF was basically saying, hey, this is what these bonds are worth. Mm -hmm. you, you know, I was on Justin Costelli's uh, uh, video earlier this week, and, you know, I just explained it as if, if, if your house is burning down or whatever and you're out of money, and you need money right now and you come to me and you say, hey, I need to sell my investment right now. I don't need to sell it in an hour. I don't need to sell it in a week, I don't, you know, a month, whatever. Like I need you to give me cash in return at whatever price you can give me cash in return for right at this moment. And that's what the ETF price was telling you because that's what people were doing, right? This is what these bonds are actually worth. And there was a lag because the mutual funds were able to, uh, uh, you know, they were sending out cash, they were, you know, using uh, the pricing based off of their net asset value, which was wrong, um, and, and redeeming their shareholders. So if you are a current owner of those mutual funds, uh, I, you know, I, I can't see how you don't have a lower quality basket within that mutual fund than, than you thought you had. Yeah, I mean, and just going back to it, I mean, not surprisingly, as we've seen now, I don't know exactly, and I'm sure maybe in a couple months we'll be able to find out. I know the Fed is trying to add liquidity to the markets because it, it does appear that a lot of the bond market kind of froze up last week, right? But what we see recently is this spread has closed, right? It's closed dramatically. Like the past two days, if you look at these bond ETFs, they're up like, you know, 10 to 15 to 18%, right? Like I, I just quick math, this was at 43 to 54, that's almost 20%, right? Um, so that 20% gap closed, don't know exactly why, right? It could be, you know, I know the Fed is actually out there buying random ETFs now, nowadays. Um, there could be a possibility they did this or, you know, by the Fed putting more liquidity into the market, the underlying muni bond market may have like unfroze. But I do think it's true that back at this point in time, if you needed to sell, as Ryan highlighted, that's what the price probably was of those underlying bonds, right? And so, you know, do the, do the are the mutual funds, there's nothing nefarious here, right? Because on this day, on the 18th, right, maybe the true nav of that Vanguard fund should have been down here, right? But you know, the, the, the pricing committee of Vanguard is kind of between a rock and a hard place, right? So if a bond in their portfolio hasn't traded, right, they're probably just going to use the last trade price as opposed to using some random model that they came up with to try to price it, right? So uh, I don't think any, anything's wrong here. I do think what it probably highlights is the ETF is going to give you a more real-time view of what something's worth at a current point in time relative to a mutual fund. Would you agree with that, Ryan? Yeah, I don't I don't think it was nefarious. I'm not saying anybody here is bad, but I'm saying I do believe that 
there is mistakes here and this is showing an outdated structure of the mutual fund in that there is no way around that fact that if the, the, on that day when those mutual fund people were getting redeems and they were redeeming people out at a higher net asset value than the bonds were worth, that meant the current shareholders, the people who were holding on, were, were owning a lower quality uh, set of bonds. Um, how those mutual funds handled that on the back end, I'm not sure how they raised the additional cash to send out at a higher net asset value. I'm not sure. I don't think to your point, it's nefarious. I just think it's outdated. Uh, and you know, you did see a few uh, mutual funds already rapidly misprice. Eric Balkunas has been all over this and covering it on Twitter. You have seen a few mutual funds, you know, rapidly downgrade their net asset value 30, 40% in a day. Mm -hmm. Um, because they're finally having to reprice to reality. Um, and yeah, the Fed may be stepping in here and that could be what's smoothing it out and, and saving a lot of these mutual funds so they, that they don't have to harshly reprice to reality um, because they've been able to stave off like the prices coming back, which they certainly have. Markets have calmed down a little bit the past two days versus those days when we saw the 30, 20, you know, percent markdown. Um, but, but that doesn't mean to me that it, uh, that there shouldn't, that there shouldn't be, and there won't be um, some major explaining to do in the coming months, no matter what happens. Yeah. And the only thing I'll highlight is you said, you know, the people who held a mutual fund may have like lower quality investment. That would only be the case if the mutual fund manager who need like let's pretend there were liquidations and they had to liquidate right yes. that would only be the case if the mutual fund manager made a decision to sell off more liquid positions and maybe change the overall structure yes. as far as credit quality and investment grade of what they had before right because alternatively they could have said hey i got some illiquid bonds in here and i got to sell maybe one or two of these um, and they try to keep it the same. So the only way that, maybe. The, yeah, maybe yeah. I'm just saying though, that if they, if they sold it off and kept it similar on an investment grade type approach, they would right. have better or worse off. But most likely, as you highlight, they probably use cash first, then maybe more liquid positions in which or case, borrowed cash. That's a possibility from the fed. Cause that's what the fed, you know, again, I don't know. I've talked to some, uh, you know, very smart people who used to sit on, fixed income uh, mutual fund desks and and they couldn't explain it to me. You know, one of their speculations was, well, they could be borrowing from the Fed at essentially a 0% rate to get their cash. You know, we don't know how these firms are generating the cash on the mutual fund side that they're redeeming. On the ETF side, we do know how these firms are generating the cash that they're using for redeems and we're seeing the price. Um, and that speaks to the transparency of ETFs. We actually know what's occurring to me that makes me feel better to know what's happening in my fund versus hiding volatility because while that may feel good in the short run to hide volatility that can have major tail risks in the long run yeah and so just just to highlight one thing is you know here's the past five years of these funds they generally are very similar right which is so again these funds that I picked here, you know, just for example, safe, 
as I showed you, they had this very short run, either like 15 to up to 30% dislocation delta. Whereas while there are some random noise because they're not the exact same funds, if you look over a five-year period, they generally going into this year ended up at about the exact same value. So I just wanted to highlight that the outs or you know, just reiterate that these are similar types of investments. Yes. And and one of the fund structures is hiding volatility or or somehow making the volatility disappear. Another fund structure you're seeing the volatility. That's kind of my point. With anything in life, if you're hiding volatility, it may feel good in the short run, but it tends to do worse, uh, you know, or cause potential tail risks in the long run. Yeah. Well, you know, PE investors have like no volatility this month. <laughs> right. And that's what I mean. We've seen that play out with a few mutual funds already where they've had rapid repricing. You can check out Eric Balkunas' Twitter feed for that. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So, well, interesting conversation on that. I thought I would bring it up as I, I found it very interesting. For those listening on the podcast, you might want to watch the video in the beginning just to see the, uh, the images on some of the mutual fund ETF conversation. I think that might be interesting, worthwhile video uh <clears throat> playback yeah this this yeah this this one was heavy heavy on the charts so could could be a benefit to watching on video instead of listening along podcast all right everybody that's what we got this week for compound your knowledge stay safe out there stay quarantined we appreciate you watching and listening along we'll see you again next week the views expressed in this recording are the personal views of the participants as of the date indicated and do not necessarily reflect the views of Alpha Architect itself. Nothing contained in this recording constitutes investment, legal, tax, or other advice and should not be viewed as a current or past recommendation or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. The information in this recording is based on current market conditions which will fluctuate may be superseded by subsequent market events or for other reasons. Alpha Architect does not resume any duty to update forward-looking statements. The information in this recording has been developed internally and or obtained from sources believed to be reliable. However, no representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made or given by or on behalf of Alpha Architect as to the accuracy and completeness or fairness of the information contained in this recording. Any liability as a result of this recording, including direct, indirect, special, or consequential loss or damage is expressly disclaimed. Copyright 2018, Alpha Architect LLC. All rights reserved.